and welcome to the Zenial Dome's Little Dome. My name is Gareth Gwynn. And I'm Essel Sears. And this is the podcast that we do in between series of the Zenial Dome, where we look back at this month in history. Uh, we're still in July. We are still in July. And it's my turn. And so you gave me a year. I did. Uh, you said, what about 1986? <laughs> And I've got 1986. (laughs) There's no getting around it. It's quite slim pickings. Okay. Because of the time of year? And also because I think there was one big news story. Right. And I think all the press were like, oh, exciting. Okay. And these days, no one's that keen to talk about the wedding of Prince Andrew and Sarah Ferguson. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Fergie and Andrew's wedding is the first royal wedding I remember. Oh, yeah. And I watched all of it. So I would have been five. Yeah. My grandmother was one of these people who, I think, of a generation who would follow what the royals were doing. And she watched all of it. And she kept commenting on how she thought the Queen looked lovely and whatever she was wearing. And I remember that wedding. <laughs> and it's so off-brand for me. But I <laughs> To have watched the other whole of a royal wedding. wedding. Yeah. Without tweeting my disdain. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have been five? Yeah. So I learnt about Prince Andrew and Sarah Ferguson's wedding. Um, but clicking around, going, like, there must be something else. Yeah. And the other news I found was Prince Andrew's bachelor party. Oh, yes, please. Or, or like, it, I didn't have got loads, but I was just quite interested that it was held in Holland Park in London. Okay. It, lads, lads, lads. Is it? <laughs> Not particularly. <laughs> just sounds like a posh park. <laughs> and it was attended by... Prince Charles, Billy Connolly. Okay, stop. Hang on. <laughs> so Prince Charles obviously had to be there. Yeah. Like it's his brother. Yeah. Billy Connolly. Billy Connolly. I'll, that that surprised me. Um, he was he was massive, wasn't he, in the eighties? I think this is less a stag do and more just some celebs hanging out. Okay. Because the next person on the list is David Frost. <laughs> From Frost Nixon. From Frost Nixon. <laughs> and and actually, do you know what? If they did want to make a film about Prince Andrew's bachelor party held in Aubrey House in Holland Park, and I would happily have Michael Sheen play uh, David all of Frost them. in that. He, he could play, play all, all of them. Because the other, actually, yeah, he could. Because the other person on the list is Elton John. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hang on. What were they all talking about? Well. David Frost's up in the morning to do Breakfast with Frost, presumably. Oh, he's knackered. Um, <laughs> Billy Connolly's taking a night off. Or he's he's in London for a gig, so he thought, I may as well, I may as well go swing to the... by. Yeah. And Elton John's 80s are well documented. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I don't think this is a slight on Elton John to say, I don't think Elton John will remember this event. No. <laughs> No. Oh, there's a picture here of Elton John leaving Prince Andrew's tag too. Uh, <laughs> Never again. <laughs> right. So um, there was an article actually a couple of years ago. Um, vain attempt Duchess made to gate crash Andrew's stag party. What did? So Sarah Ferguson tried to crash it. She was joined by Princess Diana as they bid to muscle in on the Duke of York's traditional pre-wedding party. The pair reportedly dressed up as police women in a bid to get into the event, but they were turned away and ended their evening drinking champagne and orange juice at Annabelle's nightclub. It would have been a much better event had they both been let in. Someone dressing as a policewoman and going into a bachelor party 
is a plot from Only Fools and Horses. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me see if I can get more information about this. They were dressed as policewomen with the intention of arresting Andrew. Well, <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> once the story got out, the monarch was deeply annoyed that the future Queen of England had been spotted roaming around London dressed as a police officer, which was technically a criminal offence. Yeah, it is. Is it? Yeah, yeah, it's impersonating a police officer. I would have loved to have come across Diana and Fergie dressed up as police. Yes, yeah, that, that is a great story. Oh, I think I think we should pitch that as a drama. I think I'd that's love good. that. Can I play Fergie? Because <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I could never do Diana justice, but Fergie, you yeah, I could get away with Fergie. that. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in second-hand bookshops, okay. and there is one book that I once saw and I really, really wish I'd bought and didn't. And it was simply for the title. And it was one of those ones that would have been produced by Mark Spencer or something like that. And it said, in celebration of the marriage of Prince Andrew and Sarah Ferguson and the 13th Commonwealth Games. What? And it was one book <laughs> that was as if to go, well, no one's going to buy a book about one of these things, but maybe we can pool... <laughs> The so, event. like, there's not enough that there's not enough interest That's in either. I, yeah, and do you know, I I so regret not buying a book with such a terrible title that I have looked oh. on eBay for that book for years yeah. since because it just to me that sums up everything about July 1986. It's like what what do they call the thing where um, cowboy mechanics where they cut cut, cut and, and shut, shut? Cut like and a shut. cut and shut. Yeah, it's a cut and shut yeah. book. It's like first half of it is about a royal <laughs> wedding, and when you've had enough of that. <laughs> Uh, because let's be honest, the most entertaining thing is definitely the story yeah, of the Stag yeah. Do. The second half <gasps> is the Commonwealth Games. Right. So these were happening in Edinburgh. Okay. 32 of the 59 countries eligible boycotted. <gasps> Did they? <laughs> yeah, because Britain was keeping sporting links with South Africa. That was very much seen as not oh. the done thing in the mid-80s. And I was absolutely... So I was thinking, like, well, what's the vibe on this mm. thing then? Because... That's too many countries to yeah. boycott. That's almost not an event happening. Yeah. So I looked on YouTube. I thought, Let's look at the opening ceremony. <laughs> and the opening line of the... So the opening ceremony starts with um, a guy playing the bagpipes because right. it's Scotland. Sure. So we know where we are. And the commentator literally starts with the words, that's not a lament for the 700 sportsmen and women not allowed to take <gasps> part, but so- notes of welcome for the 1600 who will be competing. Fair play so for they address it, it head they on. They said it right at the start. And then the bagpipes carry on. And then some proper like 80s synth comes <laughs> in. It's like, meow, 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 meow. And then loads of kids come in, all in tracksuits, yeah. which apparently are the blue, red, and white of the Commonwealth. Right. What? I, I, I didn't think the Commonwealth I, was blue. No. I think the blue, red, and white is of Britain. Britain, but then the Commonwealth Games were in Scotland, and so it's actually Scotland's Games. Well, the kids then run around, they go into the stadium all yeah. singing this song, which is called something like Try and forget that half the people aren't you. And then they, <laughs> <laughs> and then they form a Scottish flag in the middle, right. in, in the colours. So the blue kids and the white kids all stand okay, in a line. Okay, where do the red kids I don't know. go? I didn't, Into they the were, fire. They were, all, they were all together on the outside and then they go inside. And I was like, well, that was a good trick because I didn't see where any of the red ones went. 
and then they uh and that's, it all feels like a mess yeah i okay. watched five minutes of it and i well that's it's no london 2012 but i felt i think there was a little bit of a pr drive going on it also feels like i imagine it's it's one that scottish people would rather forget because i can't it feels like because they were kind of being bunched in with the british uh, approach to south african sport as well plus if some kids were wearing red yeah <laughs> and the red was infiltrating the scottish flag I, I wonder if they got kids from over the border to come and wear the red <laughs> <laughs> and then they don't get to do the little flag bit at the end <laughs> this shows how much i was scraping around for a story okay radio four split its frequency in in july right to put children's programs for the summer holiday on the fm frequency right to try and get kids listening to radio 4 but by kids like what kind of age range children's programs they broadcast something called pirate radio 4 which was like radio 4 but cool and for kids oh dad (laughs) and i looked tv cream had a review of it which they described as typically futile mid-80s attempt at luring the school holiday and kids away from why don't you I love the use of the word futile there. Because I, I imagine the only kids that would be into that uh, would be the same kids who um, who call in for requests on Classic FM. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, we used to listen to that in the car on the way to school. They used to do like that little bit yes. where kids would... And it was so obviously emails written by the parents. Yeah. And I'd forgotten about this. And whatever time it was on, I don't know how we found out about it. As me and my dad drove into school... We would turn over to Classic FM just to hear the terrible school run wow, requests. Yeah. Or they were cringy. Yeah. Because they'd, they'd never be really um, considered requests either. They'd, they'd always go for like the obvious, like they'd be, you know, the planets and stuff. Or I, I don't know, it would always be quite obvious choices. It was always the mention of a school which was definitely fee paying. <laughs> <laughs> It was always, there would always be a bit where the parent would mention how much their child loves whatever. It would yeah. always mention what grade they had got to in there. Oh, it was brilliant. Yeah. I'd completely forgotten the Classic FM so, so really, if if any child was listening to Radio 4 over the school holidays, it'd be them. Well, I find the attempts by radio to get children listening always very entertaining. Mm. So entertaining that, and I've brought this in because I find this very funny. So this isn't from the 80s, this is from the 70s. I have the Radio 4 Children's Annual from the 1970s, which is a genuine kids' annual for kids who like Radio 4. But what was on Radio 4 for kids at so the time? So at the time, there was a pro- in the 70s, it was called Fourth Dimension. Oh, God. So that's the annual. Okay, but- I'm going to describe this. There's a man on the front page. Has he been arrested? No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> So this is a kids' annual from the 70s. But the annual is a real thing of like, uh, uh, kids like this, yeah? <laughs> sort of what? <laughs> so when you open it up, there's um, cartoons from Captain Radio Captain meets Mighty Man, Radio. which is their thing. Then there's an article about insects, okay. which looks too much text yeah. for children. Yeah. But the bit I like, this is, my fi- this is by far my favourite bit of the annual. Okay. This is... 
uh, fun with magnets, and there are diagrams of all the fun you can have with magnets. But look at the picture of the child they've used. They've literally used a drawing of a Victorian child to demonstrate <laughs> the magnets. This is a like Victorian man demonstrating Why have they magnets. Why pitched it to Victorian people? Because I think if you're getting your kids to listen to Radio 4 in the summer holidays... This, but they should be wearing back-to-front baseball caps. No, no, they're all dressed as though they're going to a funeral <laughs> of someone who's died of dysentery. Oh this is the God. weirdest bit. This is a model of how a toilet works, being operated by a man who looks like you should be waving him off to war. He's still... <gasps> He's dressed like a kind of 1910s he's the, street urchin. Yeah, he's never seen a toilet. <laughs> Railway anniversaries. Yeah. Oh, my God. Kids love pictures of the <laughs> Flying Scotsman. <laughs> I, I, this feels like a book written for children by someone who has never met a child. <laughs> okay. I've just, <laughs> just turned the page again. So... This is meant to be a book for kids who love radio. Yes. And I've turned the page and the next article is a job in television. (laughs) (laughs) So forget all of that. Actually, just work in TV. And everyone, they've they've got photographs of actual current modern day people in the 70s. Um, Yeah, that's the only photos of people who look like they're from the 70s. You're right. And so it makes it feel, this is more accessible. These people look cool. They're wearing flares. They're working in TV. But they've kept this till page 48. They've really like, (laughs) they've buried the lead with this, haven't they? But why have they put it in there at all? Why, Why isn't it a job in radio? Because I think by, by page 47, you've gone, radio's not for this world, is it? If this is what we're... I, I, it's it's the weirdest kids' annual. They're really scrabbling around. Um, more animals. A job in a zoo. But then, a job in a zoo, but it's a picture of two donkeys and a goose. <laughs> <laughs> You're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, they are. The, that, that is the worst zoo I've ever seen. And I've seen some bad zoos. Oh, man. Acknowledgements. <laughs> Who's responsible? Do you know, I wouldn't have been surprised if there was like an obituary <laughs> <laughs> What's odd is, I think kids' radio is quite a weird thing because obviously the moment Tally came along and watched with Mother, yeah. it was like, right, off your pop. <laughs> but they stuck with it and there was a big fuss in the, in, so in, in the late 90s. They, brought, they, they did Go For It on mm. Radio 4. And what was weird about Go For It, I know some people who worked on Go For It, it started off, and I think it was seen as a bit patronising and a bit embarrassing. And then as the years went on, they sort of got it right. Okay. When it ended, I think the average age of a Go For It listener at the point where the show finished was 55. <laughs> <laughs> because they put it on after the Archers on oh. a Sunday night. You went, this yeah. is bad. I mean, I don't know when a good time to put a kid's show on the radio is. The truth is, no. on a podcast is the answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, that, that Go For It series, they did... So there's an episode it's produced by a friend of mine called Anne who listens to this podcast. Hello, Anne. <laughs> but she did an episode of Go For It presented by Barney from CBBC. Right. And the guest was Michael Rosen. Right. And it was to explain the concept of death to children. <laughs> Which 
because it was just after the archers yeah it was actually quite a bit of light relief on a sunday <laughs> night <laughs> but um it was too, and i remember and telling me i'll give it a listen and it is genuinely one of the most incredible like, half hours of radio I've ever heard. Really? Uh, yeah, it is unbelievable. Because Michael Rosen had written Michael Rosen's sad book yes. by that point. And um, so he's talking about that. And children are interviewing him about it. Oh, okay. And I listened to it in the car on the drive between London and Cardiff. And... Uh, he's, it was at the point where you still have to pay someone mm. to cross the Seven Bridge. And I wound down the thing in tears because oh, I was God. listening to Michael Rosen. <laughs> I was like, The person in the booth definitely thought you were crying because you're so emotional about getting, coming back into yeah. Wales. <laughs> <laughs> you're not the first person to cry at the toll booth, <laughs> So that is July 1986, a year that was designated as the International Year of Peace by the United Nations. Really? Yeah, that's a detail. That I, I mean, that, that, that stands for all the months, but I feel like <laughs> this, was a, this was a slightly thin month, so I put it on the list. Why, why did they do that? I don't know. I feel like the UN should really aim for peace in all the months, yeah. in all the years. Like, they should just go... Like, There's something about July 1986 that really puts me on edge <laughs> I'm, I haven't enjoyed any of this stuff like the the really poorly attended Commonwealth Games Prince Andrew's <laughs> and Fourth Dimension you do, you do wonder what that stag do was like like you know what were, they, were they... they listening to Radio 4? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's 96. If you have any memories of Pirate Radio 4 or if you went on Prince Andrew Stag Do, <laughs> then get in touch with the Zenial Dome at hotmail.com. Uh, we'll uh, be back next week. See you later. Bye. Bye.